it may seem strange to start our first Advent reading after Jesus has been born chronologically. And if that bothers you, your brain is going, wait a minute, it's okay, we'll get there. I'll give you the reason for that momentarily. What a, what a good God uh, we have and we serve. What a year 2020 is and has been. Years from now, I think we'll look back at 2020 as a marked year. Now, I'm not sure how your year was marked. I'm not going to belabor all the possible marks. We've done that. We've talked about that in other services. And it happens ad nauseum just about anywhere you look around. I get it. But brother or sister in Christ, whether you are in fact... um, having a year of anxiety and uncertainty, friend watching by way of the stream, or maybe in the pew this morning who doesn't know the Lord personally, intimately. You like church, you like church people, but you you don't really have a living relationship with Christ. Uh, I, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I'd like to. But for both of you, all of us, we are invited into this season of Advent. Let me suggest to you that in the craziness of, um, and the uncertainty of all that this year has held for us, we have been given a gift. We've been given the opportunity this season to rediscover Christmas. For the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ that intersect beautifully with this time of year and the candles and the Advent season. And they are, of course, hope, peace, joy and love we'll also gather on christmas eve to celebrate the arrival of jesus the christ and today we begin with a commodity that is in short supply it seems if we look around us it's hope hope this is going to be a no-brainer for many of us this morning but let it be refreshing and wash over you as a great reminder this is a season of hope Advent is all about hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival, and the season is traditionally a time of expectation and waiting and anticipation and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. I'll be honest, in my early days, when I was first finding out what Advent was as a new Christian, I thought it was something those people celebrated with high liturgy and it was just a way to prolong Christmas. And when I found out there were no additional gifts, I checked out. Sorry, is that too honest? <laughs> and then I grew up a little bit when I was a child. I spake as a child. I still do occasionally. I should put those things away. But Advent's not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled when Jesus came. At the same time, it looks forward to when Christ shall return for his bride and set up his kingdom of which there will be no end. During Advent, we wait for both It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some different characters that leap off the page, exhibiting this hope, peace, joy, and love to us. This week, in our reading today, as Jeremy just walked us through, we spent some time with Simeon and Anna. 
You may recall I used Simeon's proclamation as the text for our Christmas Eve gathering last year. We just had a few moments to spend with the text. Today we're going to see how Simeon and Anna teach us in 2020 about hope. Let me remind you as you're turning your Bibles to Luke 2 so you have it there. We'll also be in Romans quite a bit this morning. So uh, Luke 2 and then Romans. I was flipping my Bible just now. It automatically went to Exodus. I should probably update that, right? Luke 2. As we think about where we are in the scope of history, remember it's been centuries since God has spoken to his people directly. Every time the Jewish people gathered at the temple to worship, they gathered under the Roman flag and standards. That golden eagle perched atop the temple. Now we see the eagle, of course, I was reminded this morning because I'm married to an awesome homeschooling mom who's dealt with this content recently. We see the eagle as a sign of liberty, right? It's our national bird. Y'all know it was almost the turkey, right? If Benjamin Franklin would have had his way, great. Uh, It was delicious. Anyway, we see the golden eagle as this sign of freedom and liberty, but the Romans saw it as that chief bird of prey above all else, and everything else was underneath. And so as the Israelites would have come to gather to worship, they would have gone under Roman flags, flying high above their land. It was a visual slap in the face reminding them of their lost glory. They were a defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire. It was a time of conquest and brutality for a thousand years. They had only known invasion and conquer from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Greeks and the Romans. God's covenant promise to send them a Messiah to make everything right was their deepest Hope that sustained them and encouraged them and spurred them on, especially through the thousands of years of uncertainty. They clung to the promise of God in a way that we could take note of today. If they would have had the lyrics, they would have sung the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. But how long can hope survive? How long does it take for your hope to fade? How long with hope denied or or some longing that you have not being realized on a timetable that fits your schedule, do you abandon hope? How long can hope survive under the world-changing forces of the Greek and Roman empires, whose cultures we still are affected by today? Were there even embers of hope left smoldering in Israel? Yes. Their names were Simeon and Anna, and they were at the temple. We're picking up the Christmas story uh, this morning after Jesus has been born and has been taken to the temple for his presentation. Among the crowds that day, not among the waiting parents, not among the religious rulers, not among the mysterious Uh, Other people that were there just trying to see what was going on, we find this incredible old man and old woman. (laughs) Unlike their peers, unlike the cynics, unlike the religious leaders, Anna and Simeon had held on to an impossible hope. Every day they had been grounded in a radical faith in the scriptures that God would send the Messiah. Would God appear today? They wondered. They showed up every day. And they showed up expecting to see the Lord. Though most missed the signs and prophecies and the star and the shepherds, the authorities ignored the searching, traveling Eastern mystics 
Anna and Simeon hoped. They believed. So they waited. Luke 2, 26 and 27, and then one other verse gives us specific insight into this as I give you your first of three lessons that we learn from Anna and Simeon. Look real quickly at this description of Simeon's hope. It had been revealed to him, Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. The description of Anna, verse 37. She was a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She comes up to that very hour. She began to give thanks to the Lord and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let me give you something interesting about Anna and Simeon before I give you the first point. Almost everybody else in the Christmas story was caught off guard. You ever thought about that? The shepherds, huh? Mary, whoa. Joseph, what? All these folks are caught off guard. An angel appears to them. Is it any wonder, like, we romanticize these angels, and all the angels I've seen are very, like, uh, lovely to look at and things, but every time an angel shows up in the Bible, usually the first word they say is, fear not. I'm, I'm not sure they look the way we portray them. But uh, all these other folks were caught off guard, but Anna and Simeon were not the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that this baby, Jesus, was the long-promised Messiah. God could have sent an angel to them. I don't know why he didn't. Maybe he knew in their old age they might have keeled over with a heart attack if an angel showed up. I don't know. Maybe. It's possible. I think that God didn't need an angel to get a message to them. I think they were ready They were tuned in. They were waiting, watching, listening, expecting. They were filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. Lesson number one, hope sees beyond. Hope sees beyond. And when you're writing it, write the ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. Why? Beyond what, Pastor? Beyond the now? Yeah. Beyond the here, yeah, hope sees beyond now. It sees beyond here. How about this? You get to fill in this blank. Beyond the this. There's a, this is terrible grammar, but hang with me. There's a this in your life that you have hope that will soon pass. Hope sees beyond day after day year after year Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work even though they couldn't see it even though they were surrounded by hardship even though as time passed things got harder they grew older and older still they held on to hope And they fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping Him. We see that with both of them, serving Him, taking one step at a time because they had hope. Oh, friend, this morning, biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, I hope it doesn't rain today, or better still, more applicable, I hope my pants still fit after the meal this week. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities. It's the whisper of maybe, just maybe. It's the spark in the cold 
darkness that catches flame. It's the flicker of the first light. It's like a candle lit solitarily. There's a section of Romans 8 that's very inspirational. Romans, all of Romans can be inspirational, but Romans 8 is especially inspirational. There's a little section that's off overlooked. Flip there if you don't mind to Romans 8. We're going to land at verse 24 through 26. Paul's describing some things there. In the first part of it, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It's powerful, right, as we think about that. To be in Christ means I am no longer condemned. And then he goes on to unpack our relationship as God's children and what it looks like to live by faith. And then we show up at 8.24, Romans 8.24. And the Bible says, for in this, say it, church, hope we were saved. Now, one more time, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'll come back to that first sentence in a minute. Let me finish it for context. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep words go back and look at the very first part of that verse it says hope that is seen is not hope who hopes for what he sees like Ralphie you may hope for the official red rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle with compass and the stock and this thing that tells time you can think about it you can expect it because you put it in the Amazon cart for your parents in a sneaky way, so it's right there staring at them when they try to check out, buying toilet paper. You can tell yourself it's going to happen. You can hope to be shooting that BB gun by lunchtime on Christmas. But as soon as you receive it, hope is done. You've got it. You don't hope for that anymore because you've got it in your possession. There's no need for it. You can't keep hoping for what you already have. Hope precedes our present reality hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty before it exists in questions in doubts even in that unclear sense of what is to come but hope is the willingness and the desire to believe beyond what is our present circumstance and reality hope sees beyond Biblical hope, hope in Christ is still alive even in the deepest pain and the most hopeless circumstances wherever you fall on the crisis spectrum. This kind of hope chases away the darkness and the uncertainty and it's alive not because you've worked something up but because God is with us. I included verse 26 in that reading of Romans 8, that first sentence there. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anna and Simeon would say, yes, yes, yes. And that's lesson two. Ready? Here it comes. God is with us here, now, and always. I need to be reminded of that occasionally. As your pastor, sure. As your brother in Christ, I need to be reminded of that occasionally. I can get so consumed with the here and now, so consumed, watch this, I know I'm the only one in the room, but so consumed with myself (laughs) that I need to be reminded that God is with me here, now, and always. 
Simeon and Anna were infused with hope because they were filled with the word of God and with the spirit of God. In Luke 2, 25, it says, again, I know we just read it, but there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He knew the word, and he had the Spirit of God on him. Anna, we read about her just a moment ago. Knowing the word of the Lord, God was not some distant cosmic force to them, He was the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one the prophets called men and women to obey. He was present with them in a distinct way. Oh, friends, hear me this morning. There is no uncertainty with God. God knows your pain. He knows your challenges. He knows the struggles that you've tapped way down inside that you think you've hidden maybe even from him. God was not caught off guard when a new coronavirus mutated and spread and went global. He wasn't surprised when the economy froze and sunk. He wasn't surprised when your loved one received a dreaded diagnosis and you got a call in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart and shattered your world and left you in confusion and uncertainty. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he's here. Emmanuel. God with us and this hope he delivers, this hope that he embodies and fulfills and brought into the world so long ago, the hope that he offers me and you today, it's not a hope that he dangles before us, taunting us with it just out of reach. It's not a hope that he demands that we conjure up because we're emotionally healthy as we struggle through life's tough moments. No, this is a hope that is infused into every woman and man and girl and boy who has bowed their knee to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Every person who has come by way of the cross, who has seen God as high and more holy than they ever dreamed imaginable because they have come to understand by His Spirit the Word of God is true who've seen themselves as more sinful than they ever cared to admit and would even face to face in the mirror and admit themselves. No, 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 this this hope is available to those who are in Christ, who bowed the knee, repented of their sins, put their faith and their trust in King Jesus and are walking with the Lord. Do you need hope this morning? You need Jesus. It's fueled and fanned within by God's Holy Spirit, especially in our weakness. When we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping or even the ability to try to hope, His Spirit is within us. His Spirit helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness. It reminds us of promises of God. It leads us right to the Word of God. And you ought to get into the Word so the Word can get into you and fill you with hope. Our God, our Emmanuel, God with us has promised his people throughout history hope. Hear the word of God from Isaiah 42. We read from the prophet earlier this morning. Here he is again. Listen, this 
is the Lord speaking, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. I've redeemed you. I've called you. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Hebrews 13, the Lord says, I'll never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. Titus 3, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works of our righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. Listen, Titus 3, 7 ends like this. So that being justified by his grace, we might become, watch this, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Do you see the hope leaping out of the word of God this morning? You are not alone even when you feel lonely, even when culture tries to isolate you. You are not alone. Christ has come. He's given us the church. Our God is with us every step of the way and he is calling us to hope, hope that sees beyond, realizing that God is with us and finally, Hope inspires us to carry on. Hope inspires us to carry on. Simeon and Anna were sparks of hope. More than that, they were torches of hope, expecting God to come through and to do what he had promised. They believed this. They were waiting for this. I've said it before. You've heard me quote it many times. This Advent season it's coming out right here in this moment. I'm closing in just a moment. One of my favorite quotes from Leonard Ravenhill is, the world isn't looking for a new definition of Christianity, just a real demonstration of it. We talk a big game. We sing some meaty songs on Sunday. But Sunday afternoon to Saturday night, the world is looking at you to fulfill your role as an ambassador of hope. Hope inspires us to carry on. I'm getting ahead of myself to application there. More than that, Anna and Simeon were torches of hope, but they both were old in this story. They had both lived long lives. They had seen and experienced many things, hardship for their people, pain in their own lives. We know that Anna specifically had been a widow for decades. You need to understand that was not a high position in their society. It was a lowest social status in that culture. But we know that Simeon and Anna have remained faithful and devoted to God. They're ready to see God act and do great things. Oh, I don't, I don't want to chase this too far as we flip to Romans 5. But can I ask you a question? How quick are you to bail or to be tempted to bail when things get tight or things get tough? Man, that's when the Holy Spirit brings the word of God alive in us. If we're dialed in, I believe that to cause us, I'm not talking about floating around on clouds singing the hallelujah chorus when the place is on fire, but we ought to be ambassadors of hope. Paul describes the cycle of hope in Romans 5 like this. Through him, that's Christ, we've obtained access by faith into this grace, that's how we're standing. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And because we have this hope, look what he says, not only that, 
Verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces, look at it, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God didn't pour his love out on us with an eyedropper. It's more like standing at the base of Niagara Falls with your mouth open. This hope from God's spirit does not put us to shame. He will not let us down. He will not disappoint us. Instead, God gives us hope that provides new and growing strength for us to see beyond the pain and the confusion that's in front of us. The gospel writer said he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down. This hope pushed Simeon to see Jesus. And that's what good hope does, church. Can we just touch that proclamation as I'm finishing? You go back and read that Simeon's proclamation in Luke 2, 29 through 32. I know it's God speaking through him, but you're reminded quickly. Everybody else saw this little family doing a normal thing. But Simeon, because he was looking at Jesus, saw things differently. Church family, quick application. You will see things differently when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Lord, he says, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Mine eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all the peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. I know we're not a shouting church, but you ought to get in your car, roll the window up, and shout on that. That God saw fit to not just have salvation extended to the Jewish people. And for glory to your people Israel. When Simeon saw Jesus, watch this, he saw the scope of the gospel. Because Jesus is God himself in the flesh to face the gospel. Every Sunday that you show up at Grace Covenant Church and you hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ presented, when you're in the group Bible study times and you clearly hear the gospel articulated, those of you watching by stream, hearing and seeing the gospel articulated, you are facing the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 4 that when you face the Lord, your heart will be open and revealed the Bible also teaches us that those who are proud and opposed to Jesus will have no hope and will fall. Simeon sees the scope of the gospel. He also sees, thank God, the hope of the gospel. He sees God's plan from the beginning of creation being accomplished right here at the temple. And he sees the spreading of his grace and glory to all nations, Jew and Gentile alike. Hope inspires us. <laughs> hope inspires us. It emboldens us. It builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. What's your next step of hope today, friend? What's your next step of hope in this Advent season? We can find hope in the arrival and life of Jesus Christ. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness in fulfilling his long-awaited promise of the Messiah we can focus on the hope of God's continued work in and around us. That one day, God will take away even the need for hope as we stand in his presence and see what restoration really looks like. In the midst of whatever life is throwing at us today, 
we can experience the hope of God's Spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us strength to take the next step faithfully before us. My invitation to you this morning is to take a step toward hope today. Take a step toward Christ in this Advent season. Hope is dawning. Christ is coming. He's returning again. Let's welcome him into our hearts and into our homes every day of this season. Would you stand with me this morning? If you are without Christ today in this building or maybe even watching online, then the only kind of hope that you have is that wishful thinking. That's according to the Bible. You don't have a hope that will last, but you don't have to stay that way. We all, many of us, have been hoping that you would show up today and want to begin a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ today, the world needs you. You have a role to fulfill. I don't want to be too overly pedantic about it, but you have a job to do. And the world right now needs you as an ambassador of hope. Surely in the Advent season, we can display that in a beautiful way. Let's pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Fill us. Convict us in this building this morning for those that are without hope. Convict us for those that are in Christ that have substituted lesser things and taken our eyes off of you, not spending time in the Word or walking in the Spirit and wondering why hope seems to be fleeting. Oh, God, help us today to fulfill our role as ambassadors of hope. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Let's sing together.